Welcome to the Ether. Today is Wednesday, May 17th, 2023. Today on the Ether, the Jackal Protocol AMA, hosted by Eric.io with Cosmos Spaces. Let's take a listen. Hey, hey, doing good. Good. Uh, it's going to be a light one with the J thing going on. <laughs> I know. It's, this is going to be like we're just recording a podcast for later, so it'll be, it'll be good. <laughs> <laughs> what a crazy day, though. What, what are your thoughts? Yeah, um, I I thought, you know, you asked some really good questions up there and something you were talking about actually made me think about myself. You know, I'm not on the dev side, but like I am with Cosmos Spaces and one of the co-founders and I work for Babylon Chain. So I was just thinking about like, what would I do if like either Cosmos Spaces or Babylon is like, hey, you can only do one. You know, that's one of the questions that it seemed like you were asking. And uh I, I'm glad that I get to work on a lot of things because I can take the good that I like and bring it to the other, you know, project. And so um, I, I don't know. For me personally, I, I think it's good to be able to work on multiple things, but I guess it's a case by case scenario. Um, yeah, it's definitely an interesting situation that's going on. Um, the thing about the Cosmos Spaces meets Babylon, it's a little bit different from my perspective because they're almost complementary to each other, right? Yeah, it's uh, like like one is a, a method of distribution, one is a project. But um, yeah, it's it's sad to kind of see what, what's happening there, and just kind of see everything that's kind of been happening. And well, obviously everyone's down bad right now. So <laughs> luckily, yeah. we're all we're all kind of just building, shipping cool stuff. But um, yeah, it's uh, I, I feel like in the Cosmos ecosystem in general, the the ability to have maintain good relationships and, and really hone in on the soft skills is I think something that we really need to focus on, on as an organization, kind of, if you look at the cosmos as a whole yeah, and kind of mend relationships and kind of keep everyone vision aligned, but it's uh, it's startups, man. It's <laughs> all that good stuff, but uh, yeah, we can kind of get going here. Um, that's a little podcast. I know, a little <laughs> podcast here. Martin, what's up, man? I haven't seen you in a little bit. How's it going, man? Good, good. It's uh, it's been busy, shipping all kinds of crazy stuff right now. From kind of looking at uh, zk proofs uh, and all kind of low level infrastructure and nerdy stuff that uh, you don't really see in the front end, but it's really does numbers in the back end. So that's kind of what we're focusing on right now. How you been? Good, man. Good. I. Uh... That's awesome. I know you guys have been busy. I've been following the project for uh, a couple months now since that testnet launched. Uh, and I've checked out the D- Jackal dashboard. And uh, yeah, it's really cool what you guys are building. So I'm excited to get to know more about that. But 
Recently, I've uh, joined the Laconic Network team, so I'm currently slowly learning not how to actually write code or develop yet, but decipher code and help smoke test stacks to uh, basically work on the solution they're trying to provide, which is an indexing solution for Ethereum. And uh, yeah, it's a it's a lot because just as we were discussing the whole Jake Hartnell thing, uh, I actually have three three gigs or three jobs. I volunteer for Cosmos Spaces. I work part time for Laconic Network, uh, and I'm a Linux sysadmin during the day for the Canadian government. So uh, I can totally relate in ways where you know. Uh, working multiple jobs is something that you know some people just have to do these days to uh, you save up for like housing, going on vacation trips. Just the cost of life in general is more expensive. And I know the scope of the Jake Hartnell thing is in the millions, and my my life's not like that. But <laughs> you know what I mean. Um, I understand that people, you know, they're just thinking about their future, and sometimes they bite off more than they can chew. And if I had that kind of money sitting in my lap and they were my tokens, you know, like who's to say I wouldn't do the same or one day have bad judgment call and start dumping some tokens to use that money for other purposes, you know? So I find it super interesting, the whole, the whole thing going on right now. And uh, it's unfortunate that most of the audience that would have been here is there, but (laughs) this is still going to be a great uh, conversation to listen back to uh, regardless. So yeah, yeah, I'm excited to talk to you guys and catch up. It'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, no, it's, it's interesting. I, what I was surprised is that it was kind of market sold, which is just kind of strange from my perspective, because usually when you have like that much volume of tokens, like the slippage would be massive and just kind of, trying to understand like the thought process when you can kind of OTC it off with best thinking schedules. And there's like way better ways to do that. But anyways, show goes on. No, that's a fair point for sure. Anyways, I'm, I mean, I know this is more of like a, not that I want to start gossiping about it, but I feel like there's something like more in the grand scheme of things between Shane and Jake that they got to solve. And, I'm hoping that they're able to, you know, make amends and get through this because uh, it would be nice to see some, you know, projects start working and collaborating more together than I forget who was speaking, but they made a great point. It's like, why are there so many different projects trying to do the same thing, trying to reinvent the wheel? Like, why don't we all just work together to make the best existing ones, you know, be even better yeah. and have less chains and less dilution of the ecosystem if that makes sense yeah well that's kind of like our play a little bit right it's uh the great thing about jackal is is we're just data storage right you pay the chain for your storage space the chain gives you storage space and you store things the great thing about that is like kind of for us to capture that value how we do that is interoperability and um partnerships with all of as many chains as physically possible for us to use interchain accounts to kind of capture that value and and make sure that we can kind of have an experience on other chains where they don't even realize that they're using Jackal. It's kind of like a chain to chain business. Uh, Obviously B2C is huge for us or most of these cases right now is just kind of end users using the dashboard like they would use a Dropbox or Google Drive. 
but kind of where we're going is kind of interoperability and using interchain accounts and the Cosmos thesis and the beauty of it, which is kind of baked into the chain's business model. Yeah, when I was hearing um, your space with uh, Joe, um, he was talking, you know, or I don't know if it was you that said you wanted to, I think it was him that said he wanted like his grandma to be able to use it without even realizing, you know, that they're using something that has blockchain or Web3 in it. So, yeah, if we keep building up these things, then they will get to the point where they just feel like they are using Google Drive or, you know, Dropbox or something like that for you guys. So that's the goal. Yeah, if we do our jobs right, that is uh, the end game, right? It's, yeah. uh, there's a few other things that, that are the issue. Um, there's kind of Web3, it's not really unique to us. It's across the board. Um, the wallet user experience and the onboarding is, is difficult for Web3 in general unless you're kind of staying on a centralized exchange. So trying to get, um, get users to onboard into Jackal with the path of least resistance possible um, while still kind of using wallet and we might even for like that use case we might even have to build like a use case specific wallet for for people to onboard into jackal and not really realize it's a web3 product but it's things are on the roadmap and that's kind of what we're focused on right now is right. trying to uh, make the path least resistance for uh, the best user experience possible and uh, that's kind of the focus and i know aaron he's listening right now but a lot of like quality of life upgrades, um, kind of just talking to users, getting the build measure, learn feedback loops going is, is uh, kind of how we get there. It just takes time. And uh, the entire ecosystem as a whole, the wallet experience has to get better. The concept of having kind of interchain applications and kind of using multiple different blockchains while not really noticing, it's kind of goofy. Um, right now, obviously, it's like, everyone's kind of tribal and kind of focused on their specific piece of open source software. But in the long run, and we all do our jobs, right? From my perspective, you should be using an application where you don't really realize what the underlying infrastructure is. It's not like we go to Twitter and we say, Oh, I wonder if they're using Amazon or they're using Azure for their servers. Right. (laughs) Yeah. It's kind of a goofy concept. So that's, that's where I'm hoping that we go and we end up where we're kind of going to provide that infrastructure for the decentralized storage layer and try to hook into as many unique different projects as possible. Yeah. Yeah. That, that'll be great. That is definitely where, you know, this is headed. So Um, before we continue, how about we have, I'm sure you're tired of it, but how about you present yourself, what you do to Jackal and Marston can do it too. That's probably a good way to kind of start this <laughs> off. So uh, my name's Patrick. I'm one of the co-founders of the Jackal Protocol. Um, I'm CEO of Jackal Labs, which is the Canadian development company. Uh, we're up here with Martin. And what we do is we build software for data storage application-specific blockchain. So kind of what does that mean, right? So we're building in the Cosmos ecosystem. Uh, we love the app chain thesis. We love the interoperability, ability to do interchain accounts. And what Jackal is, is when you look at it, it's a blockchain um, and has a few special modifications. One modification is that we have something uh, which is a peer-to-peer network that is not just validators. We have two. We have one for validators who kind of keep this blockchain, which you kind of want to break it down. It's like a really big Excel spreadsheet where uh, it controls who has what tokens at what time. But for our use case, it's also who has what files at what time. 
This is great for us because our second peer-to-peer -peer network is a peer-to-peer -peer network of storage providers. And what they do is they store data, really large amounts of data, hopefully. And the beauty of that is all of our data is end-to-end -end encrypted. So all the data stored on those machines are encrypted so the storage provider can access it. And the way that the permissions are managed is that only the end user with their cryptographic private keys can access the file. So that's kind of a intro into Jackal protocol. And uh, my role is kind of operations and uh, hiring and business development from that standpoint to get us integrated with as many things as possible. And I'll kind of let Marston introduce himself as well. Yeah. Hi. So um, my name is Marston. I'm the CTO and co-founder of Jackal. Um, as Patrick said, we do data storage. And so I'm responsible for making sure that the network runs as efficiently as possible and making sure that your data is stored how it's supposed to be stored, make sure that we can't see it, all that good stuff. Yeah, sees the brains and the architect of the operation. Ryerson's awesome at what he does. Awesome, awesome. So Patrick, I wanted to ask you a little bit about yourself. Um, I know that you said you were, you know, you bought high on you know, crypto in 2017. And then, you know, whenever the crash happened, bear market starts, you kind of like pulled away. That's similar to my story too. I, I didn't look into crypto at all. Like I would just look at my my wallet every once in a while, but not, you know, not ever follow the news, never follow projects or anything like that. Um, were you already like, did you already have it in your mind that you were going to like start a crypto company or like, like how did, how did that begin for you? Yeah, not at all. <laughs> I, uh, so I started, uh, kind of 2016, 2017, uh, I was in university at the time and I was just kind of entering the crypto sphere. I had a Binance account before I got banned in Canada. And, uh, what I was doing is I was just, I was a huge advocate of just the concept of owning cryptocurrency and i thought it was great and i owned bitcoin litecoin um i owned a little bit of uh i, I think it was um oh my goodness it doesn't really matter at this point but so i wrote it all the way up and that was great and i was kind of having arguments with my roommates about like blockchain is the future and like this is all gonna be amazing and then everything crashed and <laughs> 2017 and then i thought it was all scam and i thought it was the worst thing in the world kind of uh fast forward until kind of 2019 2020 2021 um i started working in intelligence and investigations for law firms and corporations where i would work in digital forensics and i would kind of capture and preserve digital evidence and do all that stuff that's when i started getting reintroduced into the blockchain space again where i was actually tracking uh cyber criminals uh, where they would kind of exploit smart contracts and then they would move cryptocurrency. And that was all great there. Um, so I was kind of working on that. And that's kind of how we got the idea for Jackal. It was actually supposed to be an evidence management tool originally. So you can kind of track chain of custody of digital evidence and then slowly started to morph into actually a public cloud as uh, we continued to build it and we continued to build the infrastructure that we needed to build that application specific project for the ability to track and trace evidence for e-discovery and uh, one thing leads to another we were building that on polygon then we started building on the secret network um, and we're going to use that for programmable privacy and we're going to use filecoin for the storage and then that didn't really work out too well so we ended up actually building our own l1 cosmos blockchain and that's kind of how we got here 
That's super interesting because we were going to, and we still are going to ask you about, um, you know, the other blockchains that try to file storage and just, you know, um, how you guys are different from that. But I, I, didn't, I had no idea that you guys were thinking about using, you know, Filecoin as well. So that is pretty interesting. Um, what about you, Marston? How did you get involved in the crypto space? Yeah, so um, I, I don't even remember what year it was, but Bitcoin wasn't very popular and I was just interested in making some money on the side and I heard about it and thought it was cool. So I was mining Bitcoin through like a nice hash pool on my crappy GPU. And at the time I made like one Bitcoin and completely like just did it as a hobby and lost all of my seed phrase for it. So I don't know where that one Bitcoin is, but it's just floating around there somewhere. Um, and then like years later, I started looking around and saw CryptoKitties, which I thought was like the funniest thing ever, that you could just like buy and sell these digital cats. Um, at the time, I was like, man, that looks really cool. I want to do that. And then I realized that I have to like get into crypto and like start going and setting myself up for a Coinbase account and everything. At the time, I was like, ah, it's not worth it for cats. So then I didn't do that for a while. I looked at smart contracts, started playing around with them, realized that it was just like a pain to get them working when I would rather just like build centralized software that I thought was fun. Like um, I, I was big into my making Minecraft mods and I thought that was like a much better use of my time. So I kind of pulled away from crypto for a while. And then um, years later after that, uh, got involved at the same digital forensics firm that Patrick was working at. And we started that process of looking into how to properly secure digital evidence and kind of regret not getting into crypto the way we are earlier because I had so many opportunities to do so. So, so just a funny thought occurred to me. So you guys got into crypto because you knew how to get away with doing the bad stuff, right? Yeah, no, well, <laughs> we would have a lot more money if we were on the other side of the fence. Yes. So I don't think we would be yeah. building Jackal if we were. I, I, I think you missed your calling, man. You, you knew. <laughs> uh, we, we should have been, uh, we should have been exploiting liquidity pools on Ethereum. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um, so. I, one thing I like to ask people, just because this is the sports enthusiast in me, um, every time I see a player, I'd like to be like, oh, when I was younger, I'd be like, oh, that, that guy's my age. I, I could be doing that. So um, I like to ask people, I, Patrick, you kind of ages yourself. I'm guessing you're in your mid-20s whenever you told us you had just uh, been in university. So maybe you went to university late. I could be wrong. So I like to ask uh, our guests, like, how old are you guys? Yeah, I'm 25. I'm 25. Uh, Marston's a lot younger than me, but he's the biggest brain in the organization. How old are you, Marston? No, I, I I'm 21. 21, man. Yeah. That's yeah. you guys. You guys are giga brains, man. That's that's crazy. I don't. Marty, do you want to say how old you are? I'm scared too. Sorry, <laughs> fiance is trying to call me. Um, <laughs> I am 32 years old. Yeah, and I'm thirty-two I'm 30, years young, right? Is that what we're supposed young. to say? <laughs> I'm going to say young. I'm I'm thirty-seven years young, so definitely wish I was uh, 
creating the stuff that you guys are creating at your age like that's so impressive like you know step back from what crypto is like what you guys are able to do and what you're trying to build is just really impressive especially at the ages you guys are there's so much that you guys will accomplish and uh achieve and learn so it's just it's really cool it's really cool yeah it's uh it's it's been quite a ride um thus far where we kind of um leaving our, our previous jobs starting this company together hiring sorry one sec <laughs> i'm hiring all of our uh, hiring like we have 13 guys on staff full time i think we have marston is it nine developers i think uh, that we have right now um it, it's something like that I... it's, it's been a wild ride uh raising <laughs> yeah. raising capital to kind of get something like this off the ground uh we got a full baptism by fire and we think we've done pretty good uh, thus far we're the first people to admit our mistakes uh with everything that we we done uh, from kind of we learned a lot about uh, making liquidity pools and how not to over incentivize them but uh at the end of the day we're just trying to build a, as as resilient as a product as possible we may be young but we also uh we know what we know and we know what we don't know and we have some great advisors around us too which is great go ahead marty no, I was just going to, sorry if I missed this, if you might have already said it, but when you guys got into crypto years ago, did either of you get into, like, per se, Sia coin as an example? Because I have a funny story, not that it's a very long one, but I remember when I invested and got back into it, I think 2017, 2018. Uh, and I had an iMac desktop and I had set it all up where I was trying to rent my storage out and there were nothing but issues constantly. It never worked properly. I just lost money. And then when I pulled all my Sia coin out of the wallet slash dashboard, I sent it back. Um, I forget the name of the exchange now. Poloniex. Yeah, that's what it was. That's a fucking old, old exchange. But uh, I sent my Sia coin to Poloniex and it just never arrived. <laughs> and it took them over a year to figure it out. I had to contact the Sia team and Poloniex. And yeah, it took over a year, but got my Sia Dude. coins back and dumped them. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I remember Poloniex. That was the first exchange uh, besides Coinbase that I actually experienced. I remember them and Bittrex. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah, my my first uh, well, regarding um, Steelcoin, Filecoin, Airwave, um, I was never really involved with those tokens. I didn't really research them until recently, where we took a um, we learned a lot from their technology and kind of created the Frankenstein that is Jacko. But I, I I never really got into that space specifically. But I do uh, had my fair share of experiences. Actually, I kind of lied a little bit earlier. I started a little bit earlier in high school actually where i bought twenty dollars worth of bitcoin i think at the time and it was on one of the sketchy canadian exchanges that went upside down was it mount gox or was it the quadra, quadra cx, CX. <laughs> yeah, that, that, was it. that was it um that was my first actual experience but it wasn't enough money for me to be sad about it but uh yeah that's uh that's kind of our experience with uh, Sidecoin and Filecoin um, and Airweave from that matter is just really research when we're looking to build our protocol. But uh, no, I, have, I wasn't involved with them before, though, no. Yeah, I, I, I didn't know the ins and outs of it, but uh, when I was doing my like initial research... I think we lost you there, Marston. 
Oh man. The microphone back. <laughs> yeah, you're back, you're back. Now you're gone. <laughs> this happened to him. Oh, he the, probably the, tried to fix uh, it. Uh, no, he got right. Yeah, this is this happened to us on the call we had with him too. Correct. <laughs> you you gonna there you go. Let me see if we can request him again here. Just hear me now. Good once. Yes. Okay, perfect. Woo! No, we can't hear you again. Man. Oh, now we can hear you. <laughs> whatever whatever you do, whatever don't you do when you complain about it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, but I'm good now? Yes, Perfect. you're good. Um yeah, I, I was just saying like when I was doing my initial dive into crypto and I was on some forums, people were talking about like, oh, there's this cool stuff where instead of using your graphics card, you can mine crypto with your hard drives. And I was like, at the time, thinking that was like the stupidest thing possible to do because you just like burn <laughs> out your drives immediately. And I was so against it happening. And here I am years later, basically doing that. <laughs> doing it for getting everyone some storage. I like it. So um, I know that you guys said that originally the idea was to help um, create something that would help, you know, catch evildoers in, uh, in layman's terms. What made you guys pivot into making it storage based? Yeah, um, this is kind of where we get into the lore of Jackal. Um, so when we first started, what we wanted to do was build this e-discovery tool for digital evidence. So right now, kind of you're familiar with, uh, you, you've seen enough uh, TV shows where there's like physical evidence and physical evidence bags that you like put like the evidence into like there's the gun that someone shot someone with. So I'm going to put it in this bag and then I'm going to write something on the bag. The way that evidence chain of custody works for physical items is you have like this log where you say, okay, I have the bag. I pass the bag to Marston. Marston puts the bag in a vault and then someone comes back to the vault, pulls the bag out, gives it to a lawyer, and then you track it all the way to the court desk. The, the thing about that is that's great for physical evidence, but for digital evidence, we don't have anything um, remotely kind of as verifiable uh, that we would wish. So there was issues where we would get to the court and we'd, um, we'd be on the bench and then you get there and then there's issues where pretty much what happens is people lose file version control. So you create a copy of a file, then you send it to your peers and it gets sent around and the lawyers send it to each other. And then the evidence that actually gets submitted at court is a piece of evidence that was created yesterday because the file was duplicated or copied. So we were like, okay, um, we kind of have been doing some stuff tracking cyber criminals through with blockchain technology. What can we do to make sure that uh, we can use this blockchain technology to actually track and trace evidence because it's a mutable blockchain, it makes sense, it does this concept really well. So Marston actually built that project. We called it Keepsake, and we built it on Polygon. That was uh, that was all great uh, until we realized that we got to the point where how are we actually going to store this digital evidence in a clean forensic environment? What that means is that a clean forensic environment usually is just like an isolated computer um, or a virtual machine that was created for that use case, and then you shut it down and you keep that virtual machine as like the evidence as well. That's not really like scalable. Um, if you want to have like teams working or like the, the drives will start to pile up on your desk for your evidence. 
So um, we thought, is it possible to create a scalable cloud environment while still maintaining ownership and self-custody of evidence? Because we realized that public clouds, so Amazon, Microsoft, Alibaba Cloud, um, all these different players, that's not a clean forensic environment because a third party has access to the data. So at any time, like someone can email Google and be like, hey, like uh, here's a court order, I want access to this. And they technically have like backdoor access to all those files. So that doesn't really work. Um, we started looking at Filecoin, ARWE, SIA. Uh, they're great at what they do. Um, the only downsides to those products, they're all proof of work blockchains and they're not very fast. So Filecoin, for example, it takes like 24 hours, up to 24 hours to get your files back. They're working on retrieval markets to speed that up a little bit right now. But it's not really uh, that great from a, a perspective of having a product that someone can use day to day in the workplace. The other option um, is ARWeave. ARWeave, you pay per transaction. It's also anything that you upload to the blockchain there uh, is publicly viewable. So you don't really have privacy. So we thought, I think this might be the opportunity for us to create a product that has both the ability to scale, has full privacy. Uh, using encryption technology and is self-custodial. So only the end user with their private keys can actually access their data. So no other person in the entire world can access this cloud environment. So what we did, if you want to kind of boil that down and reduce it, we have built a product that we believe is the intersection of a scalable cloud environment while also having the highest digital privacy and cybersecurity posture possible and kind of being true to all those I want to say ideologies associated with blockchain, cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, and self-custody, ownership, um, self like being sovereign, um, and having the ability to own your things. Because this is kind of like the first time where you can actually own your digital files and kind of still maintain privacy. Morning, you know, you had I just, yeah. yeah, yeah, no, I, I wanted to say, I, I'm not going to divert from the uh, interview slash podcast here, but... Uh, Laconic Network is actually working on a decentralized GitHub right now, which is really cool. So I'd love to reach out to you on a separate occasion and discuss some of that because I feel it's similar in the sense where it aligns with you guys are building the decentralized storage service that would rival all the centralized companies that you just named, right? AWS, Google Drive, et cetera, right? So, uh, yeah, I'd love to discuss some of that further on a on a on a different day. Yeah, that's one of the the e, like the most ideal use cases for us right now. So uh, the benefits of Java for that is you kind of have the speed. You don't have to like pay per transaction. You pay per storage space. So um, using interchain accounts, and if you guys have IBC enabled, or if you want to do it uh, a middleware workaround, we'd be happy to chat. Awesome, man. Thank you. And just just hearing you talk, Patrick, I get made me realize why you chose Secret to build on. And it's just to you know keep that privacy. Because I, I was wondering why why you chose Secret. Yeah, um, Secret's really here's the thing, right? So if you want to have a storage layer where you can be the only person that can see it, but you also want the ability to share it with other people, you need programmable privacy. Because usually uh, it's kind of a zero-sum game where you have full privacy in blockchain or you have no privacy in blockchain. There's no real middle ground. Secret fills that gap really well. Um, the only reason why we had to leave Secret, and I love what they do, um, and I think they're the best at what they do uh, for the idea of having programmable privacy where it can turn on and off. The, the thing for us is we 
needed to sacrifice general privacy for specific privacy in order to get a speed boost. So we're a little bit faster and uh, have manageable gas prices where the gas prices got so big on secret that it wasn't really a usable product. So we kind of had to build our own blockchain built for the use case of data storage. But uh, they are really great at what they do. Um, we just had to sacrifice uh, your tokens. The amount of tokens you have in your wallet is public. Um, and how much storage space you have purchased is public. Everything else is private. I had a comment or thought, but it totally left my, my head. I'm multitasking here. So. <laughs> no worries at all. No worries at all. But uh, no, that's really cool. I was really interested to know why you chose Secret Network as well. But uh, that makes sense. Do you guys obviously plan to stay on Secret Network? And why did you choose Secret Network over, per se, like Monero blockchain? Yeah, so we left Secret Network, um, unfortunately. So we now have like our own L1. That's uh, It's a Cosmos zone. I think it was like the 54th or 52nd zone that was created. So the blockchain is now built for the use case of data storage. The reason why we, uh, we chose Secret, number one, is we need smart contracts. And the other thing is, is we needed programmable privacy. So Monero, um, I don't know, does Monero have smart contracts? I don't think it does. But even if they did, I don't think they would have the ability to turn privacy on and off so you could share data between two people. So one of the competitive advantages uh, okay. and the beauties of Jackal is that I can share a file with you if you have a Jackal account. And the great thing about that is only two people in the world can see that file. It's just me and whoever I share it with. So there's no intermediary or third party. Uh, it's just managed by the validators. So, um, oh, go ahead, Marty. Oh, I was just going to say that totally makes sense about Monero. I believe you are correct about the smart contract thing. But go ahead, Eric. Um, so I wanted to ask you guys about some of the challenges that you guys faced with like privacy and security. And I was going to ask if, one of the reasons you left Secret was because I know they had issues a lot of times where the chain would be down. And so I was wondering if you were part of Secret Network whenever you know those things were occurring and so you wanted something that you could rely on better. Yeah, it, it's um, the thing that plagues Secret is they use something. For them to offer the thing that they need to offer, which is programmable privacy, they needed to kind of make the sacrifice of using hardware that was kind of old. They since have like made a bunch of upgrades. Um, I think they use different hardware now, or they've kind of like made it a bit available to more types of hardware that's newer. But um, that's not really the reason that we left. The reason is that the gas prices got really high because we were doing everything um, on chain on the smart contract layer. So the way that we were able to get around that is we built modules. And Marston, if you want to kind of talk about um, like, the differences between building on secret, you're probably the better person to talk about it and why having an application specific blockchain is a little bit better. Yeah, sure. I mean, yeah, the main thing was the gas prices were definitely a limiting factor. Um, with Jackal, you know, we can program it into the chain that certain, um, messages being sent from providers are, are more verified so and originally what you kind of use gas for is is not so much to pay the network it's more to prevent like a ddos attack um so what we have is instead a different kind of verification system where those storage providers can do 
more privileged activities because they're they're storage providers rather than just an average user. So that let us really have granular control over those gas prices. Providers would earn no rewards. They'd probably be in the hole, actually, if they were being charged every time they needed to submit a proof. So essentially what we have is providers can send proofs for free as long as they're good proofs. And from there, I mean, the second thing that we were kind of dealing with was um, being a smart contract versus being your own blockchain doesn't really give you that level of control over the system. It's much better when we're able to use the entire system for just Jackal storage. So all of the validators around the table can just focus solely on providing a healthy, stable network for Jackal. Whereas like on Secret, when there's a big NFT mint and all of the RPC nodes go down um, that people were using because of just pure overload, that really wouldn't fly too well with the Jackal protocol running at the same time, especially because we're such a power-hungry network versus something like secret smart contracts. So it just, there was a few things that led us down the direction of, of a granularly controlled modular blockchain and on top of that, we can just bring more things in, like even our, our name service that we were working on at the time. We had originally launched it as a smart contract on Juno because it didn't need that privacy that Secret would bring and that also added to extra gas costs. What we were able to do is you know, shut down that over on Juno and port everything over to our own granularly controlled blockchain. So now our name service is a separate module on the chain that runs alongside the Jackal storage protocol and is directly ingrained in it where if you share a file with somebody, it automatically looks it up to check if you're trying to send it to somebody's name versus if you're trying to send it to somebody's address and it'll redirect it all for you and there's a marketplace and everything laid out. So it made it a lot easier for us to develop quickly and also securely on a network we know and, and can trust a little bit better. And and that's part of what we were talking about earlier about making it more seamless. If people are, you know, sending it to just a name, it'll be a lot easier than having to, you know, write down someone's wallet address. So uh, that's definitely, you know, a step in that right direction. Yeah, a hundred percent, especially because we kind of made these decisions before interchain accounts was really something that people were talking about. So any integrations that we had, if we wanted to integrate something from Juno over on Secret, uh, it was pretty much impossible. The way that Secret's derivation path for the addresses worked meant that, you know, you couldn't just convert a Secret address to a Juno address, which made it like just so hard to have a name service over on Juno working with Secret. So having everything on Jackal directly there's absolutely no friction between moving parts. They're all working together under one network, and it's all very, very clean. How excited were you guys whenever y'all sat down and you're like, you know what, let's make our own blockchain? Uh, I, I was at a concert. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it, it just hit no, you. <laughs> and Marston called me. Um, so I, I was a, uh, I, I had a few drinks actually at that point. Marston calls me and I'm in the line to go to see an outdoor concert. I think I was seeing, um, oh my goodness, uh, it'll come back to me. It was some country artist or something like that. 
And Marcin calls me and he says, uh, <laughs> what we're doing is dumb and we can't do it this way. There's something along those lines. And then uh, we, that was when we were, uh, it was actually more associated, not as much with the secret side of things, but the Filecoin side of things, I think. Anyways. Uh, yeah, there was, there was a bunch of things. It was like we had systems in place to correct for this protocol. And then, you know, that had a flaw. So we had a new system in place to correct for that. And it became this big, like, cyclical beast that was correcting for everything. And then the final fix just kind of, like, toppled everything else. It was like all of those fixes were bandage fixes. And so I had, like, a breakdown one night and was, like, just scribbling out diagrams, trying to figure out the best way to do it. And everything pointed to just L1 Cosmos Chain. As crazy as it was, we made that pivot, but it was uh, it was quite the night. When you build it, it will come. I have a question, if you don't mind, Eric. Yeah, go for it. Um, while we were talking about privacy, I was just thinking about security as well. And there was a recent announcement uh, with a partnership with Babylon. And we're just so lucky enough to have somebody who works for Babylon here as well as Jackal. So I just wanted to know more about the partnership um, from a standpoint of obviously, I believe it would be using time stamping from Bitcoin to improve security, but also reduce bonding time. Yeah, well, Mercy can talk to it a little bit, but it's kind of a no-brainer for us. Is uh, We're now the first uh, data storage blockchain secured by where we rent security from Bitcoin. So that's pretty cool. Um, but Mercy, we want to talk about the technical, um, the reason why uh, it's kind of important to have that. And I guess we'll let Eric talk, chat about it too. Yeah, of course. I mean, at its core principle, I mean, you're looking at, a blockchain whose whole purpose is to make sure your data is alive and secure. And when your permission system and your payment details um, for how much storage you've purchased, what storage providers are doing what at what time, when all of that is sitting there on a blockchain, which admittedly is pretty new, uh, you're left with, you know, potential 67% attacks like any proof of stake blockchain um with babylon it it kind of just relieves all of that stress of if somebody was able to buy up 67 percent and and attack the network nobody's buying up 67 percent of bitcoin it's just impossible it wouldn't even be a 67 percent it'd be you'd have to own 50 percent uh, or 51% of the compute power of Bitcoin, which is just so astronomically big to try and tackle something like that. I, I have full confidence that this level of security is just unmatched. Yeah, on, on our end, I definitely use the Cosmos Spaces connection to reach out to you guys. Um, and to me, it made sense because like you have these coins like Sia Coin storage who are proof of work and that's what makes them, you know, really secure. But you guys now have the best of both worlds. You are a POS uh, chain, but you have the security of a POW, you know? So um, it, ju it just made sense. I, I thought you guys would be interested. And so I was really happy whenever um, we got to make that partnership work out. 
You know, it's, it's a no-brainer from our from our end for sure. Um, it's it's super exciting to kind of have uh, the time stamping and just the security of Bitcoin to kind of give the extra little bit of. Uh, that was really the only other FUD that we possibly could have gotten from another storage layer. So now that we have that in our back pocket, uh, we're invincible now. Thanks, Eric. <laughs> no problem, guys. Um, so, so far, what is y'all's um, like personal goals for Jackal? Like, what's the vision right now? Yeah. Um, so our vision is it's obviously we're we're still pretty early. We only launched two months ago, so it's it's kind of we don't really have the benefit of sitting back and looking at the long game because we're trying to make the protocol one percent better every day right now. But from my perspective, I want to have the ability, and this kind of goes hand in hand with uh, my interchain maxi ism. <laughs> I think is is the way to put it. Um, we want to have Jackal bringing the data storage layer to every single blockchain uh, in my mind. So uh, whether that's, or obviously it's easier for us to start with every single Cosmos chain, but for us to kind of expand out cross into Polkadot ecosystem or um, into the Ethereum ecosystem or the L2s over there and have the ability to bring the data storage layer uh, and decentralize the data storage layer, where right now they're currently using um, either IPFS pinning services, which is usually just pinned on to like Amazon or Google or Microsoft or um, other servers from that side of things. We want to have a more resilient and a self-custodial data storage layer for Web3. And that's kind of my vision. Marissa um, might have a different vision though. We don't really talk about this too much. <laughs> that's why you have to do this space. Yeah, I mean, like you kind of hit it on the head there with the interchain capabilities of the Jackal protocol. I think the main thing that I'd like to see is is Jackal to hit every possible network it can. Any NFT project on Ethereum, you know, I, I know Ethereum Lite clients are coming to bridge IBC. So if you're building an NFT over on Ethereum, you'd be able to leverage Jackal. If you're, you know, building a data lake for research purposes over on like a purpose-built AVAX network, as long as that's IBC, you can store it all in Jackal and have that directly ingrained into the protocol, which is really, really cool. Um, you're not left with that third-party feeling with your data, where like if I was to, say, launch something as simple as just a one-of-one one NFT, right now you're posting a file to either Filecoin, which is its own blockchain. You got to get the tokens for that. You got to get um, an RPC node for that. You got to deal with all that. Or you use some sort of third party like Estuary where you know it's all going through a centralized party, which is obviously not super ideal. Or you're going down the IPFS route where again, it's kind of going through a centralized service to pin your file. Or you're going down Arweave, which is very expensive unless you're using something like Bundler, which is again, a little bit centralized. With Jackal and Interchain accounts, you can create your storage deal and upload your file straight to the Jackal protocol, even from something like um, AVAX or Ethereum, if they're light client set up, anything with IBC, you can do 
pretty much a one-click upload to Jackal as long as you have that Jackal account and you're kind of set from there. You can do everything that you would want to do on Jackal with any other network and it wouldn't even feel like you're using the Jackal network. It would be totally abstracted away. And I think that's pretty much the best thing that Web3 can offer us is like right now you sign in with Google everywhere. Um, there's not really a website that I've been to recently where you don't sign in with Google and then you're good to go. You know, you're all of your authentications going through Google where like web three, it's like you're using this chain, then you're using MetaMask, then you're using Kepler, then you're using leap. I want to go on Tezos. I have to get a Tezos wallet. If you can just pick what wallet you want to use and start using all blockchains from that one particular spot and Jackal gets to be a part of that. I mean, that's, that's my dream. Yeah, I agree with that as well. It's uh if we do our job right, you won't even know that we're there. <laughs> this is the uh, this is the beauty of that. And other thing, I think we uh, we can't discount like the Web two point five bridge and the stuff that we're doing and building um, middleware for us to do backups for centralized services as well, so that you can kind of have like resilient data backups and data storage um, where you're self custodial of that. So right now we're kind of also secretly building middleware so that we can hook into things like QuickBooks or Airtable or Google Drive. So also just bringing Intel, like the Web3 user experience gets a little better. Um, just having data backups and, and having Jackal as an auxiliary backup for all your data to make sure that you're secure and make sure that you always have um, a, a duplicate or a, a copy of your data that is self-custodial and owned or even enterprise backups when we start to get down that road and using multi-signature wallets to protect against ransomware um, and load your data back into your system, stuff along those lines. It gets pretty cool, pretty quick. So I know that um, it hasn't always been easy. I know you guys had, um, I think you had like a token airdrop and it didn't go as smoothly. Am I right about that? I know that there was some issue happening either with the blockchain or with the tokens. Do you guys uh, want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, no, we're, we're the first to admit our mistakes there. Um, so the, the blockchain issue is that um, pretty much uh, our mistake was following the Cosmos documentation to a certain extent. <laughs> uh, we we weren't really privy to all the different uh, competing standards in Cosmos ecosystem or who, like what version, like some people are using Ignite, some people use the Cosmos SDK, some people use the Osmosis fork of the Cosmos SDK. So there's all these competing standards and we don't know which ones have which vulnerabilities, uh, being a new team that entered uh, the Cosmos space. So going back, I wish that we were able to kind of get a uh, Cosmos lore advisor, and that would be pretty good. So to make sure that we understand all the potholes in the road, road ahead of us. Um, other than that, uh, the secret network airdrop. So we were able to airdrop successfully to Juno and Adam. So those were the two places that we airdropped to. And we also airdropped to the secret network. The issue with the secret network airdrop, uh, there's a, a few things. Um, Marston, if you want to kind of chat about, uh, we, we screwed up the snapshot. But then when we needed to go back and take another snapshot of the chain, um, we weren't able to do so because there was like an issue uh, with getting archive nodes online or the chain wasn't. Marston, do you remember what the specific issue was there? Yeah, it was like we ripped through. And at the time, I was talking with a couple other people who were doing airdrops. And one of the big things that people were doing were basically scraping the chain data over 
the API instead of like building up a node and then exporting that, which is way easier. Uh, that's what we did for Juno and Atom. We just built uh, an Atom node and then just exported it, and it was all good. But with Secret, we you need very specific hardware to build a node, and at the time we didn't have access to the hardware that we needed, so figured it would just be easier to scrape it over the web. That didn't work. So we took a bad snapshot, and you know, looking back, shouldn't have done that. Should have just waited a little bit longer and taken the snapshot how we took the Juno and Adam snapshots. But what ended up really biting us was after we realized that the snapshot was no good, was we went to go back and try and take a new one. And at the time, there was, I forget exactly what the problem was, but it was some sort of bug where archive nodes were just all down. I know, um, I don't think there was a single archive node up at the time. I think they all had some issue, but the chain was still alive and well. So we couldn't actually scrape the data from that far back. And what ended up happening is we ended up finding one archive node that we could export the state of because it had died, but it was still able to like output its data that it used to have, which happened to contain the data we needed. But um, we ended up just waiting around for a while trying to figure out different things because there was just no clear answer. And then even still, some of the data was missing and it didn't get a perfect scrape. So we ended up uh, needing to manually fulfill some of the airdrop in our Discord. But yeah, it was a little bit of a, a, little bit of a nightmare. And then the, the other problem with, with Secret, trying to integrate it into our, our airdrop tech stack was that mismatch that I mentioned earlier where you just convert a secret address to a Jackal address, but you can convert a Cosmos address to a Jackal address. And that, they did that for security and privacy concerns where they didn't want people tracking you know, your addresses. Like if I have your Osmosis address and I could just convert it over to a Jackal address, you know, I can see the transactions that you're making. Same with like a Cosmos address. But you can't do that for secret. And so that was that was kind of a pain. We had to make it so that, you know, we had a claiming system that you signed off from your secret wallet and then you had a whole bunch of extra verification to go through. And we had a big machine running that would just spit out tokens when you successfully claimed them. But um, that machine got overloaded. So people were getting a lot of false flag saying that they got their tokens but that's just because so many people were trying to claim their tokens at the same time and just overall it was it was an absolute nightmare i would have done it totally differently going back but we had already promised the snapshot at the time and everything so there was really no going back but honestly like again nothing against secret network for that it was just poor planning overestimating how easy it would be to take a snapshot on the secret network and uh you know it, it kind of came back to bite us yeah, we we live and we learn from those kind of things, though. Uh, we uh, it's, it won't be our first mistake, it won't be our last, but it's our ability to bounce back and continue to ship product upgrades and get more unique terabytes in the network is going to be what we're judged by, hopefully, in the future. No, definitely. Uh, I think you guys handled it really well, um, both internally and publicly. 
So uh, that that's kind of what I want to talk about it because, you know, like we all kind of hit these roadblocks every once in a while. And so it's just, you know, how you face them. So I wanted you guys to talk about that so you can encourage those that are going to be hearing our podcast uh, not to let, you know, things get them down. If they have a vision, you need to keep pushing forward, even if, you know, you hit a few roadblocks. Yeah. Well, hey, it, it's uh, the the market giveth and the market taketh away, right? So um we're going to be judged by what we're going to be able to ship um we like to kind of pride ourselves on our professionalism and make maintaining the good relationships across the board and just kind of really honing in on the soft skills as well as the hard skills other things is uh yeah it's cosmos is down bad right now but uh if you guys want a cool little stat not financial advice um jackal surpassed Siacoin and unique uh files stored on the network about a few weeks ago. Um, and the cool thing about that is uh, Jackal is currently valued at 3,000% less than Filecoin. But that's kind of how that works, isn't it? That's pretty impressive. That's awesome. That's wild. That's exciting um, for the future, for sure. Yeah, yeah, that is exciting. Um, so I, I know that you guys say that you're, you know, you don't really think too long term. You know, you're just trying to improve it, you know, day by day. What are some future features or enhancements that you guys uh, are wanting to bring to Jackal? Is there anything that you, you've thought about and, you know, it's in, it's in the roadmap or, or just a, a want that you want? Yeah, uh, the roadmap is uh, pretty lengthy at this point. Um, so we think short term, but we still uh, have a lot of things on the roadmap that we're looking to patch up and ship right now. Number one is staking and governance directly from the Jackal dashboard. So we don't um, we don't have like the Kepler integration right now because we honestly we we can't afford it right now. Um, so once we kind of uh, get a little bit larger, hopefully we have native support for Kepler. So staking and governance from the dashboard, so people kind of have like a user experience where they can just go there and use the product uh, directly as as it's supposed to be used, rather than kind of going through like the OmniFlex fork or going through PingPub to stake and manage governance. I think that's a really good uh, upgrade. Also, uh, we're working on getting integrated with MintScan as well, which will be really, really wonderful uh, for us to have a proper explorer. Ledger hard hardware wallet supports also on the roadmap. Um, Jackal's built for data storage, not really built for finance. So we have a bunch of unique tweaks in the way that we use JavaScript. So we have our own Jackal, Jackal JavaScript library. We're currently going through that to figure out what the issue is uh, with supporting Ledger for files. So if you have a Ledger, you can you get Jackal tokens, you can claim the airdrop, you can do all that stuff, but you can't get uh, you can't store files and manage files with a Ledger hardware wallet. So uh, we're working with the Ledger team right now to figure out what the issue is there, so we can get that up and running. File sharing uh, is pretty cool. So uh, everyone soon we'll be able to peer-to-peer -peer transfer files from Jackal. It's enabled in the chain, but it's not enabled in the dashboard yet. So now uh, everyone can send. This is actually really crazy when you think about it. You can use Jackal like a share file or, um, or like a, a WeTransfer type product. So you can peer-to-peer -peer share. This is where it's really beautiful. Um, you can peer-to-peer -peer share any amount of data because you're actually not moving the data. You're just changing permissions for the data. So the same way that you can like transfer billions and billions of dollars for like a few cents for the gas fee peer-to-peer uh, -peer in the world, you can do the same with files, which is really unique while still maintaining a really high security and privacy posture. I think that's really, really undervalued right now. Um, 
Cosmosm integration. So we have smart contracts is on the roadmap as well. So we're going to get our Cosmosm bindings going so we can start using interchain accounts and developers can start building cool stuff. Um, one click storage provider setup. So we have uh, Predor who's building some really awesome, uh, if anyone's in the cash ecosystem, they're familiar with them for being in a cash uh, compute provider. Now you're also going to be able to use the same um, onboarding experience to become a Jackal storage provider. So now we have compute and storage in the Cosmos ecosystem. That's pretty cool. Um, Interchain accounts so we can kind of have data storage on other blockchains like DAODAO having their own like Dropbox there where you can kind of share files within your DAO. Kind of also using that for backups and, and integrations with NFT marketplaces and Cosmos. Perpetual storage is also on the roadmap. This is getting pretty long here, but uh, basically what you're able to do with perpetual storage is you can use Jackal like ARE for a similar price. Um, so that's uh, pretty awesome where you can kind of store data forever on the Jackal protocol, but for as long as you want. Um, we're matching ARE with 200 years of data storage as long as the chain's still up and running. ZK Snarks, so reduced bandwidth with uh, zero knowledge proofs. Uh, also, just a range of plugins right now um, is another thing on the roadmap where we're building middleware so we can integrate with things like uh, your Google Drive account for backups or backups on Airtable or backups on Shopify or backups on pretty much anything that has an app store and an API. So we have a lot of stuff we're working on right now. It's just uh, one at a time, day by day. I got another question for you, if you don't mind. Yeah, shoot away. You guys still have some time, yeah? It's been, it's been like an hour now, so I just want to make sure we're not keeping you or anything. Yeah, I have a few more minutes. I need to uh, go make dinner soon. <laughs> but other than that, I'm all good. No worries, no worries. Um, I thought while you brought up the topic of Ledger integration with uh, Jackal Dashboard, as well as Kepler native staking, etc., I just thought I would ask you guys out of curiosity from a security standpoint, what do you think about that Ledger announcement about the Ledger Recover and the newest firmware update? I'd love to hear what you guys have to say about that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so let's kind of take a holistic approach first, and then I'll let Marcin, uh, I don't know if Marcin's looked into it and kind of taking a technical approach. But the holistic approach is there is a sliding scale. Um, where the more security you have, the worse the user experience is. So um, the most secure thing ever would be like, uh, like if I wanted to store my files then the most secure thing ever, like I would like dig a hole and then like I'd put a hard drive in it and then I'd bury it and then I'd put like a guard dog on top of it and like a bunch of nasty um, like chickens around it and just guard it with the uh, assault rifle. And that would be the best, most secure way ever to store my data. And no one's ever going to get into that. Um, but the thing is, is that if I want to access that data, uh, then I have to kind of undo that entire process. So side note quickly, is that why the Jackal logo is a wolf? Kind of, kind of. So um, if you want to, for Ledger's point of view, they're saying, okay, like the biggest issue right now is seed phrases and people losing their seed phrase and losing their ledger. And then Kablooey, uh, your Bitcoin is now hanging out with Marston's Bitcoin and you're never going to be able to access that ever again. Um, so their thought process is, okay, what if we have an ability to do social recovery so I can split my seed phrase in three, I can send it to one to Marston, one to Eric. One to Martin, and then if you three come together and be like, hey, like this person lost the seed phrase, I wanted to recover it, um, you can do social recovery 
that's a better user experience, but then you kind of have that trade-off between security and user experience. Um, so holistically, I understand what they're trying to do from a user experience and a business standpoint, but a security standpoint, it's the not the best move from my point of view. Marcin, do you have anything on it? I, I don't know if you've uh, looked too much into it. Yeah, I, I haven't gone into the the weeds of it right now, but um, like as you say, yeah, there there is that sliding scale. Um, I don't personally believe that it poses like a huge limit to to my safety of my crypto. Um, from just a surface level, I mean, those keys are kind of encrypted out they're they're done in a way that makes it so that no single party can just have access to your keys not even like two of the companies that have it have access to your keys um i definitely think it's something that should be an opt-in instead of an opt-out as it is right now uh i feel like that is something that you know the community is probably going to push back on and ledger will kind of change that practice but um i also do kind of believe that it's being blown out of the water a little bit more than it should be i definitely think it's worth having a conversation about but um you know as i say it, it, if you don't like it that much um there is always the opportunity to just not upgrade to the newest firmware so uh, if anybody feels really strongly about it there there are some things in place to prevent that from plaguing you i guess awesome thank you guys so much for your time man that was really fun i'm glad uh we all got together tonight now now we can all go back to the fun space <laughs> <You're all dismissed. laughs> it is still going on it is yeah. still going on <laughs> all right never a dull moment in class so that way that's pretty crazy stuff but uh thanks for being uh thanks for having us on guys i really appreciate it and uh Everyone who's probably hopefully listening to it later, uh, thanks for listening to our podcast. And uh, <laughs> if you ever want to come and try to use Jackal um, or want to ask any questions or build on um, build on Jackal or kind of just want to join the community and join hands with us as we kind of go down this road of providing decentralized data storage in a really secure environment to the world, um, feel free to come to our Discord or join our Telegram. Uh, we'll be there to answer any questions. And thanks, guys, again for having us on. Yeah, thanks a ton, guys. Really uh, had a good time. Yeah, let's definitely yeah, keep we, in touch. Yeah, we did. Sorry, go ahead, Eric. <laughs> Nothing I was going to say. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it, too. It was a... Uh... Good to see what made Jackal different from these other, you know, file storage options, and uh, definitely um, going to check it out a little bit more now, and and uh, just keep, you know, keep my eyes on you guys, see how you guys grow. I appreciate it. See you guys later. Take care, guys. Have a good one. Talk soon. See you guys. Good night, everyone. Bye. Thanks for checking out another episode of the Ether. That was the Jackal Protocol AMA, hosted by Cosmos Spaces. Recorded on Wednesday, May 17th, 2023. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. And if you want to find all the Cosmos Spaces, head on over to CosmosRadio.org.
There's this principle in like Taoism. There's this principle in like Taoism where it's like the more you fight something, the more like the opposite of what you want, like just inevitably it kind of starts to happen. There's this principle in like Taoism where it's like the more you fight something, the more like the opposite of what you want, inevitably it kind of starts to happen. Tripping on the bird app, listening to nerd slap, wondering why the fuck my timeline's so cursed. It's like everybody's holding heavy bags in Web 3. That's why they can't fly, they just drowning in the bird bath, fishing for some dry powder. Watch how we ignite the tower, blowing up their bank accounts, forgetting how to fight the power. Y'all don't even realize how deep this shit goes. They preach an open sauce, but don't listen to the code, and now it's mutiny, community, uprise. There's no more humility, futility, plus size. Motherfuckers leaking from the wrench down to the bare metal. Which side the line you bleeding out on when the dust settles? Motherfucking west side shit, needle and noose. Sticking with my armory, Yam, Beto, and Bruce. Repping psychedelic artistry, believing the truth. Like these motherfuckers even need a reason to sue? GM fam. Really? Is it really worth all the fighting? Is it really worth all the drama? And the answer, I think, is a clear no. They started using Zoom, now we finna zoom out Teaching all these plebidites what this game's really all about Little baby bitches when they choose to have fits All you're left with is kibble when you lose all them bits And that kibble's just sawdust, this shit is all rust Not a great look, you're what we call all nuts And I for one did not see that coming Cracking open books, yo, that's a lot of money Meanwhile over here rewiring features More critical thinking, huh? Less knee jerk, more evolution, less shit coin preachers pretending to be teachers. Y'all just predatory leeches. I mean, please, just look at the track record. A bunch of VC rap fucks sucking up the cheddar. The recipe is two steps rinse and repeat. Now we all in your butts and we bring in receipts. GM fam, have a seat. If you're listening to this, my, my plea to you would be like, don't have, don't, don't have to take a side on it. Just say, like, is it, is it really worth this war of attrition? It might cost us a lot more than what can be gained by like fighting this to the better end. And sometimes it's better to just like move on. Ten spaces.